Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Welcome to this episode of Talking Tourism, the go-to place for the latest news and insights for Tasmania's tourism industry, proudly brought to you by the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. Conversations every fortnight are applicable whether you operate somewhere in this beautiful island state of Tassie or anywhere across the country. A big hello to you and welcome. My name is Rachel Williams. I'm the host for today's episode and we're very excited to be joined by the new Hobart Airport CEO, Norris Carter. Good morning to you, Norris. Good morning, Rachel. Now, you've taken up the role uh, in March, uh, having moved from North Queensland airports. Are you ready for a Tasmanian winter is the most important question. I've got my puffer jacket ready, so I think I'm ready to go. I I have lived in Auckland before as well, so uh, I've had a little bit of experience with the cold. Fantastic. Now, what a a time to be taking on a a CE role at an airport. Obviously, um, after such a chaotic year for the tourism and, and travel industry, what drew you to Hobart from North Queensland? I got a call from a headhunter who said uh, they were looking for uh, somebody to come and come down to Hobart and run the airport, and uh, I was quite intrigued because uh, you know the rest of Australia, I think, has been quite envious of Tassie's success over the last five or ten years in tourism. Tassie's well known for the incredible produce and uh, you know nature. I love bushwalking so and I've been here a few times. Uh, and uh, then there was the opportunity uh, at the airport which has had a uh, an interesting few years so I think there's a real opportunity to to make a mark here and, and create an airport that Tasmanians can be proud of. Well you've certainly got a, a very long and distinguished history. Let's have a, a little chat about that. You were in fact international network planning and revenue management and loyalty at Qantas quite a few years ago. Tell me about that role. Yeah, so I had, um, I spent 14 years at Qantas. I uh, spent 10 years of it in the frequent flyer program. So really working on uh, how do we build those relationships with customers. And uh, I, uh, I did a lot of the strategy work that led to uh, the Qantas loyalty business being set up as a separate, divi- a separate business within Qantas rather than as part of the marketing department. Uh, and that's just gone from strength to strength. And of course, last year, uh, it was the uh, the best performing part of Qantas as people kept earning their points on the ground while they couldn't earn their points in the air. Uh, and then I moved over to more the sort of the airline side. Now we're planning and revenue management is basically deciding where the planes fly and how much to charge for the tickets. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing that for the international business and uh, the big thing that happened while I was there was the partnership with Emirates. So I uh, helped set that up. And then, as you said, you, you've lived in Auckland for a while. That was actually as airline business development um, manager at the Auckland Airport. How long were you there for and, and what did you glean from that part of your life? So at Auckland Airport, I um, was doing route development, which I kind of describe as being gamekeeper turned poacher. So it's uh, talking to all the airlines, trying to get them to fly to Auckland. And there I was thinking about it uh, as the same way as an, as an airline person would since I'd just been one and uh, had quite a bit of success. We had uh, 14 new routes from 10 new airlines at Auckland while I was there, which uh, then created another bit of a problem about how to fix them, fit them all in, uh, but that was uh, that was quite successful. And we're definitely going to talk about a lot more about New Zealand and, and hopefully more international flight access for Hobart and Tasmania shortly. But what actually got you into the airline industry? What were you 
passionate plane spotter as a child or was it just luck? A little bit of both. I've, I've always been interested in uh, in technology and planes and stuff. I did engineering at uni. But, you know, then there was a little bit of luck. Um, I uh, did some work. When I spent some time before I was at uh, Qantas in management consulting and did a little bit of airline work. Uh, but then uh, at one stage when I was looking for a new job, I went to help a mate of mine at Qantas with a project for three uh, three weeks that ended up turning into 14 years. Yeah, right. Sounds like it. you've just fallen into it and, and now you've fallen down to, to Hobart. It's probably quite an understatement when you say Hobart Airport's um, lived through an interesting uh, couple of years. What did you make of it when you first arrived? Oh, look, it's a fantastic bunch of people, all incredibly dedicated and, and really passionate about uh, both the, the airport and Tasmania. Um, the airport's just been through a, uh, you know, a few changes uh, with in ownership. So uh, Macquarie had a share in it, which they, uh, they sold down because um, the fund that they had it in came to an end. Uh, it was bought by, uh, so and uh, the other half share owner was Tasplan. Um, uh, QIC and Shipole Airport have bought into it. They both uh, own part of Brisbane Airport uh, and have worked together quite a bit. Uh, and so they bought in and so you had new owners come in about a year ago. Uh, but then, of course, just as they were getting started, we all got smashed by COVID. Uh, so I think uh, all the best laid plans that people have had have just been struggled to be implemented because of all the external factors that have been going on. One thing that we've been wanting to see implemented for quite some time now is that restoration of Hobart as an international uh, airport. How amazing was it for you to see that all black on the tarmac when it landed on Thursday in late April for the first time since 1998? Oh, it was an incredible thrill. Uh, you know, I've been I've been saying it's such an honour to be associated with putting the uh, international back into Hobart International Airport. Uh, and fixing up what's been a misnomer for 23 years. Uh, but uh, we had an incredible buzz leading up to it. Um, you know, the whole office was a buzz on the morning and lots of our uh, team got out, got out and uh, watched the watched the aircraft land from the hill here at the airport. Uh, and then, of course, we had a welcome ceremony in the terminal with... Um, uh, the Premier and the uh, and Federal Federal Minister and uh, lots of uh, lots of people. Um, we had uh, the C Chief Operating Officer of Air New Zealand arrive on the flight. Uh, we had lots of families reuniting at the airport. It was uh, it was such a huge buzz. It was really exciting. Was it a destination you ever considered back when you were working at Auckland Airport and, and poaching flight routes? Yeah, I did actually, and uh, you know that was uh, quite a few years ago. About uh, what six or seven years ago now, and uh, you know, at the time, I couldn't see the economics working. But uh, you know, Tasmania's had such incredible growth over the last five years that uh, it's now grown to the point where it should be able to work. Uh, and you know, it's had uh, terrific support from uh, both the federal government, who signed up for uh, the border processing costs through the Hobart City deal. Uh, and then last year, particularly from the state government, when the Premier said this is going to be part of our uh, COVID recovery, uh, you know, and there's that old saying, never waste a crisis. This crisis hasn't been wasted and uh, it led to that uh, that black plane landing uh, landing on Thursday. And it's interesting because, you know, you hear those sayings of success breeds success and confidence builds confidence. What part will this play, do you think, in, in ensuring that international, of Hobart International Airport actually 
comes to fruition as more than just something that's a, a COVID bubble and perhaps a bit uncertain into the long-term future? Well, it gets us over the that hurdle of actually being an international airport. Um, so, you know, a, a year ago, we didn't actually have the facilities to process international flights properly, um, whereas now we do. Uh, and so that hurdle of having to put those facilities in place, uh, which we've now jumped thanks to the help of particularly the state government, uh, means that, you know, any extra flights now don't come with that hurdle of you know, having to put anything in. We can process them today. Uh, and so it's just building up from what we've got. Do you think this is the first step in the recovery in the, the travel market? Like how are we actually tracking to restore other networks into the future and what's the time frame for that, do you think? Uh, so the domestic network in Australia is, uh, is, is, is pretty well recovered now. I think uh, both Quant the Qantas and Jetstar Group and Virgin have said that they're, uh, they've got all their Australian domestic uh, staff back in jobs and back working. Um, Jetstar's been bringing additional aircraft in from Jetstar Singapore and Jetstar Japan. They're looking at reactivating their uh, their 787s, which they used to use just for international flights. Virgin's CEO, Jane Herdlicker, came out a week or so ago and said that uh, she was after 10 more aircraft to add to the fleet. Uh, and so we're, uh, we're actually seeing that, that domestic market really recovering. Then uh, we've seen, you know, this week the Trans-Tasman bubbles opened up and so uh, both, uh, both Qantas and Air New Zealand have got flights going back and forth across the Tasman. And, you know, now attention's starting to turn to talk of bubbles with other countries like, uh, like Singapore and South Korea and Japan and the Pacific Islands. At Hobart uh, in April, we've had um, 90% of the seats we had uh, in 2019 back. And for the next couple of months, we're still running over 80%. It's a bit quieter because it's uh, getting into winter. Um, but we've seen a really strong and, you know, to be honest, quite rapid recovery uh, as uh, as all the travel restrictions have eased. And I'm assuming as other countries, you know, change their network connections and things get back to normal, people will be able to come through into Australia from the New Zealand that perhaps wouldn't have thought to use that as a, as a route? Oh, that's right. I mean, it's uh, New Zealand is on the way over to the Americas for us and that's part of the logic with the Air New Zealand flight is that as... Um, you know, as uh, the world returns to normal, normal and it becomes safe to travel again, uh, it's another path into uh, North America that uh, doesn't involve going via Sydney or Melbourne. And I, th I think I read a figure something about 24,000 Kiwis going to be lured here. Is that over the course of the next year? Yeah, that's, I think that's about the number of Kiwis who come in a year to visit Tasmania. And we you know, expect that to be bigger uh, because when you add a direct route and it becomes faster, you know, this changes the flying time from uh, about probably seven or eight hours down to four hours, uh, which suddenly makes it easier to do like a long weekend. And so you can get a 30% a stimulation effect just from having a direct route where there wasn't one previously. And as part of your, um, I think I read a quote when you first got the job that you were saying that you're really excited about implementing new ideas and innovations to, to see Hobart rebound. Where else would you like to see an actual direct route from internationally? The next big routes we'd really like to see is some of the major hubs in Asia. Uh, so, you know, places like Singapore and Hong Kong, 
that are some of those really big transit hubs that just allow you to connect to such a big network beyond into Asia and Europe. That sounds lovely. What are the logistics behind the scene to actually ensure that 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 can be a reality? You've got to make the business case. Uh, and we've seen some of it. You know, it's going to depend on both passengers and freight. And uh, you know, over the summer, we had a Cathay Pacific freighter coming in here. That We've got to do a bit of work on infrastructure just to make sure that we can, we can take those planes all the time. But uh, I think as we build up the case, and a lot of work's been, been done on that uh, by the team here and at Tourism Tasmania, to build that case and, uh, you know, it's it's not looking too bad. And is that something that we funded internally or a federal election coming up on the horizon? Is that where we uh, take out our wish list? I think we'll welcome any help we can get with those sorts of things. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. What about, you, you said that that interstate travel has, the domestic market has improved significantly. Is that as a result of the half price fares initiative, do you think? Yeah, that's helped. What we have seen over the, over the last year is when people could travel, the airlines very quickly put the flights on and the flights filled. Now, there was a little bit of lack of confidence that developed with the kind of ongoing lockdowns and snap lockdowns that happened. But we've seen as, uh, you know, with the last couple of little outbreaks of COVID where the premiers haven't reacted by closing borders, they've just gone to hotspot strategies. So the one in the Northern Beaches, uh, the one in Brisbane, which is giving people confidence to travel again. And then the half price airfares on top of that uh, gives everybody a little bit more of a nudge and they say, well, yeah, you know, actually I'll give it a go. There's a great fare. Most of the airlines have got very flexible uh, cancellation and change policies so that if, uh, you know, if for some reason people can't travel, they can change their tickets to another day. Uh, and so that's really encouraged people to, to get on and, uh, and buy some fares. And, you know, they're still out there. I was looking at it and uh, seeing lots of them pop up on the airline's websites. Um, so I think that that has helped. I know, uh, just speaking from experience, watching people travelling again, reconnecting with family and friends who they haven't seen for well over a year. I must admit, I actually got tears in my eyes seeing families uh, reuniting at the airport, you know, from New Zealand with that first flight, although it doesn't doesn't take much to make me cry, Norris. Um, <laughs> how that flying experience, though, they've all got the masks on. How, how confident are people to travel again, knowing that the systems are working and, and that they're going to be safe? You know, I'd say people broadly split into probably two groups. There are those who are feeling confident and you know, uh, will jump on a plane as soon as they can. And there are probably some who are a bit more hesitant and you know, they'll take a little bit more time uh, to do it. But uh, you know, I think it does come back to that, what you said, just around connecting families. Uh, and that's ultimately what, uh, what flying is about. It's connecting people and... Uh, you know, with their families, with their friends, with things that they want to do. Uh, and that's a very powerful, very human thing. And, you know, it's the most rewarding thing, I think, about working in this industry is seeing all those moments of people hugging when they land. So uh, it's really exciting. Kleenex tissue moments. Um, it's probably a, a question that's how long is a piece of string, but do you think we will return to a, a normal, in inverted commas, um, and, and how long will that be? I think you're exactly right. That is a how long is a piece of string. Uh, I think it's incredible the progress we've made over the last year. Um, you know, when you think about how many people were dying from uh, this pandemic at the beginning, um, it's still, you know, in, in the rest of the world, a really serious thing going on. But in Australia, uh, I think, uh, well, and, and worldwide, 
the doctors have figured out how to treat people with it, you know, so that uh, as people go into intensive, into hospital or into intensive care, they've got much better idea of, of what to do with them to help keep them alive. Um, and, you know, the pace of development of vaccines, you know, we've got a number of them developed over the last year when a year ago people were saying, oh, we'd, we've never developed a vaccine for a coronavirus and we don't think we can. Uh, and so, you know, we've got the first round of vaccines, you know, medical technology is incredible. I think they'll, uh, they'll come up with more treatments and more vaccines. Uh, and, you know, eventually the hope is this becomes like other endemic diseases that, uh, you know, that can be still quite serious, like measles um, or, you know, the flu. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot more treatment and prevention options so that it doesn't uh, become... Uh, as bad an impact as it has been. And it might just be anecdotal, but I know that, you know, mother of three boys, we've been so healthy since the pandemic. We've all, you know, washing hands, putting on the, the different bits and pieces that you need to, to put on um, to stay safe. Is that Does that actually make flying, a, I shouldn't say cleaner, but a, a healthier option now? Because sometimes people did report, you know, you'd go flying and you'd get sick afterwards. Like a plane's a, a healthier place to be now <laughs> well i think yeah with you know there's been some anecdotal stuff that says things like um, there's, there's less colds and flu going around we know we've uh, we've had an experience here at the airport where you get a little bout of gastro go through and you know, if you have everybody sanitizing their hands more often um, then uh, that sort of thing doesn't happen as much so the sanitising and cleaning of planes after each, like, it'll become, that's just part of the new normal? Yeah, I think so. Planes were not too bad before, but, you know, now I think everything is squeaky clean everywhere. Tell me a little bit more about what you would hope to see at Hobart Airport in terms of more infrastructure upgrades to build upon what has made us now a place that can be used for international travel. Yeah, so the, the, the kind of big thing that, you know, most people can see is the terminal's quite crowded. Uh, you know, when it, when it gets busy, it gets very busy and there's, there's not, a, not a lot of room to, uh, to sit down. So um, we've been looking at, uh, the airport's been looking at that for a number of years and uh, you know, unfortunately that's a, a little bit of the planning that's got disrupted by the change of ownership and then, and then COVID. Um, so we uh, we really want to find a way to to make that customer experience much better uh, and more pleasant. Um, now we have to, you know, I, I want to see it as an airport that um, Tasmanians are proud of, uh, and say, you know, that's uh, that's a great airport. That's our airport. We're we're really really proud of it. We've got to do that in a cost effective way because you know the uh, the aviation and travel industry has just been through an incredible shock. Uh, and uh, you know it's still still a bit fragile until we all recover and everybody's had to borrow money to get through. So it's coming up with some smart ways to do that. But um, it's things like we just replaced all the uh, food and beverage late last year um, with some new local Tassie brands. So we've got the Cascade Bar, um, Live Eat, and Coal River Farms stores in there. Um, that's had a really positive uh, reaction from our customers as they come through the airport, and uh, you know, even from our staff who uh, who now you know went whereas a year ago might not have gone to buy their lunch in their terminal now they they do all the time. So uh, that's that's really positive. But it's just getting that um, kind of local feeling, local flavour, uh, all the local produce that we've got so much of that's incredible here in Tassie, uh, and having that on offer in the terminal. Uh, in, env in an environment where, you know, you can get a seat and that's comfortable and uh, you actually enjoy the experience. Yeah, it's a, a 
very different to the to the bad old days where you couldn't even get a decent cup of coffee, that's for sure. And how do you think um, the tourism industry, have you heard any evidence or anecdotal um, information from the tourism operators about the difference in opening up that international travel market, what the response is and, and how they're responding to it? Uh, just huge excitement from talking to a few tourism operators uh, at the at the arrival of the flight and then uh, during the day afterwards uh, was just tremendously exciting. It's you know it's another new market. Uh, it's five million people. It's the size of you know one of the biggest states in Australia like uh, New South Wales or Victoria. Uh, so that's another new market that comes in and then. The potential for the connections beyond into the Americas as uh, as the world opens up again, uh, making it easier for more people to get here and uh, come and enjoy what we've got to offer. And as someone who lived in Auckland, you've probably got a little bit of personal experience you can give us. Um, do you think that operators need to prepare a little bit differently for New Zealanders, um, perhaps adjust their marketing? How, how do we make the most of that appeal for, for this new market? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, the Kiwis are pretty intrepid. The thing for Tasmania is we've got a lot of things that New Zealanders like about their own country. Uh, so, you know, the walks, the food, the fresh air, um, some cooler temperatures. Uh, it gives them a choice of somewhere different to go in, in Aussie, as they call it, uh, rather than kind of Queensland where they all tend to flock to in winter. Um, so I think it's about how do we... How do we make sure that people know it's uh, you know maybe same same but different? So you know it's uh, it's not as different from the rest of Australia as Tasmania is uh, to New Zealand, um, but it's you know it's a little bit different from what New Zealanders are used to in their own country. And where will we see Norris Carter in his puffer jacket heading off to over the course of the next few months in Tassie? Uh, I uh, I actually had a great trip on my way down around the west coast. Uh, so got over to Stanley and Cradle Mountain, um, down to Lake St Clair. So I want to do some more walking, uh, probably closer to Hobart. Um, so probably on Mount Wellington <laughs> to start with. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I, I need to get to Bruny Island because I haven't been there yet. But uh, people tell me it's really beautiful. Absolutely. And you'll continue having a, a good relationship up, up north with the Launceston Airport as well? Yeah, you know, we'll have, uh, we'll have a bit of friendly competition with Launceston. <laughs> Uh, you know, of course, we'd like to see everybody come in and out of, of Hobart, but, uh, you know, we're all part of Tasmania and uh, you know, if, uh, if we make the pie bigger for people coming to Tasmania, then there's more of it to share around between us. Wonderful. Look, thank you so much for your time today, Norris. We really appreciate it. That's a pleasure, Rachel. That was Norris Carter there, the new Hobart Airport CEO, who's very lucky to be the man that put the international back into Hobart International Airport. I'm Rachel Williams. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talking Tourism. If you've enjoyed it, please tell your friends and family and tourism colleagues about it. There's plenty of previous episodes available on the TICT website. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.